Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's Friday. It's a little bit late in the day. I have a very busy schedule. It's called Having a Life. And Pashas uh, Kisabo, I guess, which is the Tokacha. Uh The truth is, I was going to throw aside the part of the week and talk about Rosh Hashanah because I gave a talk last night in one of the shows in Baltimore in Greenspring. They asked me to speak about Yoni Rosh Hashanah and I put together something about the Kedai Larvis Asatan with the chauffeur, but I'm going to not do that. Instead, uh, I'll talk about Parshish Kisabu only because, and I don't want to make this long today, I always say that this time I'm really going to try to keep to a schedule. Uh, Nachshoni is the way to go. This is the Tokacha. There are two Tokachas, I'm, I'm sure you know. One in Vayikra and one in, uh, here in, in, in Parshish Kisabu. The one in Vayikra is a lot smaller. I think it's 48 curses here, it's 96, something like that. And, you know, different ways of cheshmering. And, uh, let me put it this way. Many years ago, around the time I got married, I was once at, uh, Rabbi Kalevsky's house for some question I had. And I saw he has on the table where he's preparing all his thousand books, preparing this year. But in Gemara, he had these two books, Hagas Baparshia Torah, which was not shown, it just came out. Hagas Baparshia Torah. I saw it at that time at uh, Perns, I still remember it. The old print that once existed, and a bookstore, and uh, I said, ah, another one of these Parsha books, bad, the dime a dozen, and, you know, everybody and his brother writes something on the Parsha, but then, I, and I thought also it's some modern thing, you know, like, uh, they come out from, uh, I don't know, you know, uh, in Israel you get a lot of these, you know, KBY type things, so, it's just not my cup of tea, anyway, but I saw Rabbi Kalevsky, so I say, you, you have that? And then I said, let me look at it. And I went to the store and I bought it. And I saw it's very good. And I used it for a while. It's like a Shidim Mugavet, as he calls it on the Parsha. There are essays that the author did on the Parsha of the Week. And there was a time many moons ago, decades ago, when I used to give a Monday night a Parsha class. And uh, long, long ago, in somebody's house. And uh, I used it a lot in those years. But then I went through it. And I don't believe I've looked at uh, Nachshoni much, much. Eh, at least 15, 20 years, I, I think. However, there's always one exception, and that's the reason I'm giving this preface. I do very strongly uh, advise you, if you're doing the Tochacha, whether in, in, in the one in Bechukosai or the one in Ayikisavo, to get a hold of this, the art school is translated into English, the Hebrew is better, but the art school is translated into English, and what's it called, Studies in the Weekly Parsha or something like that? And uh, it's a very fine essay, which you can return to again and again with profit, in my opinion on the two Tokachas, because here we did a, a work of scholarship. And uh, basically, the question goes like this. What are the Tokachas talking about? Um, are they predictive of the future in the sense that they're historical events that have already taken place? Or are they talking about things that are in the distant future that have not yet taken place? Alternatively, like in the morale style, are these cyclical, and they describe cyclical uh, catastrophes to hit the Jews uh, from time to time is this part of being Jewish. All three are possible, right? All three are possible. 
There's a famous story, I don't know if it's true, but I think I read it from Rabbi Riskin, oh, 30 years ago at least, in the old Jewish times at the Kloisenberger Rebbe, uh, whom my father knew in the camps, said that you don't have to read the Tilcha low anymore and fast, because we were yoyts in the Holocaust. You know, so we the generation that went through the Holocaust uh, you know, saw all these terrible things, including everything that's written in the Tilcha. My father said the same thing, you know, uh, people killing their children and eating them, and uh, you know, baboker tomer yitin erba erba demitin boker, and the whole nine yards of the tochacha. People lived through; they saw it. Consequently, the plus of that is, all right. So we did it already. Now that we did it, we don't have to worry about it anymore. And if we can read it, it's not bad luck. I don't know if that story is true. Could be true. It's possible. Um, and I could totally hear that the Kleisenberg Rebbe would say it. He was that type of uh, person. Although, everything is relative. I'll tell you what I'm saying is relative. I once in my show, many moons ago, got a book about the Kloisenberg Rebbe when these things came out. And I spoke about it in Shul and Shabbos, and this old guy, who was a Holocaust survivor from Poland, he says, Kloisenberg, ah, big deal. The Hungarians that had one year, from 40, 40, 45. That's garnished. We have five years of Hitler, which is true. It's not, it's not untrue. And everything, therefore, is, so to speak, a matter of... Uh, What's right with relative, relativity and uh, perspective. So to us, one second of Hitler, one minute of Hitler is a nightmare beyond belief. But to those people like, oh, you were just in the Holocaust for a month? Garnished. I was there for six months, for a year, ten years, and all that kind of thing. I mention all this because the Tocha is also a matter of a perspective. And what you find in Jewish history is the following. There's the text of the Tocha, which of course we're going to read tomorrow, and then it's reception down the ages. So somebody could write, a nice dissertation, I'm very serious about this, on the receptivity of the Tocha, meaning how a famous Jewish thinkers applied the descriptions that you find in the Tocha, from Chazal on, uh, to subsequent and historic events. Uh, Nachshoni does, in my opinion, a very nice job with the, um, who is it, the Ramban and the uh, Barbanel, I think. And maybe the case it's like too, if I remember correctly. And that is to say, these great thinkers, and there, and many others, but these are the ones I remember from Nachshoni, and you can read it yourself in Shabbos, go do that, will say the following. Uh, the Ramban, I think, says that the stuff in Vayikra is talking about Bais Rishon. And the stuff in today's parsha is talking about Bais I think that's how he says it, right? Um, if I remember correctly. And uh, that's why you have different Lashonas over there. And the Ramban makes a whole argument for this. You go look up the Ramban. I think if I remember correctly, the one in Vayikra refers to Carbonus, and the one, the other one... Uh, so, oh, the first one talks about idolatry, and I think Tamar's Parsha doesn't talk about idolatry. So uh, that's kind of interesting. You know, I mean, that should be a big part of the Torah. You hear what I said? You know, in, in Vayikra it says, uh, you know, Gilulechem and Chamanechem and all that stuff. And you don't find it, I believe... I hope I'm not wrong. I look like a fool. I believe in, in Dvarim, you don't have that. So what does that sound like, the Ramban suggests? And he says, well, by his reason, the problem was about Azar. But by Shani, it was not a problem about Azar. We all know that. They got rid of the uh, Yitzhar about Azar at the beginning of the period of by Shani. So whatever, since they had, um, what you call it, Sin uh, and all that, wasn't about Azar. So therefore, he makes a whole case, and look it up yourself, if you're able to, that, um, you know, that the, that the second... Uh, the Kisav will read tomorrow has to do with the Second Temple period. Um, I don't, and I remember this is really interesting that the Ramban makes extensive use of Josephus. Now I have to be careful when I say that 
because he talks about Yosef ben Matisio, Yosifon. Yosifon is a from knockoff of Josephus. It's not really Josephus, but it has many of the same stories without going into the details of how that particular book got published. You know, many conflated, but anyway, uh, you know, he gets a lot of stories. So I just remember, for example, it says, Isn't that what it says in tomorrow's line? Is that tomorrow or is that in Bukhukosai? That you'll be returned back to Egypt in boats. When would the Jews return back to Egypt in boats? No, no, no. If you read Josephus, you'll see, for example, he says that Titus, after he destroyed the Second Temple, sent a lot of Jewish slaves in slavery to Egypt. Uh, you know, it could be. I remember somebody else, maybe it was a Barbanel, maybe someone else, maybe the Akedo, who really did his Josephus research. And I just remember that Ptolemy I, the king of Egypt, before Hanukkah time, actually captured Jerusalem under a ruse and took off 100,000 Jews as slaves back to Egypt. And that could be seen as fulfillment of the Tochacha. Um, those slaves were subsequently uh, emancipated by his successor, and then they wrote the, the scepter again. At least that's how the story goes. Point is, there are many specific historical incidents that you can say that this or that tocha applies to. And as they say, Nachshon does a very nice job. Uh, the Ramban is very thoughtful on this. And he builds the case that one was talking about the Bais recently, one was talking about the Bais Shani. And I remember, it also has to do with how you understand historiosophically, meaning in the, in the broad uh, metaphysical uh, way of looking at history, like the morale does. Uh, what is Bayesheni? Because to this day, it's not clear. Meaning, was Bayesheni... I mean, what is that in Jewish history? Let me put it this way. I think I'm, I'm sure I must have mentioned this in some podcast earlier. It can't be the first time I'm talking about this. Uh, you had destruction based on Mikdash by Nebuchadnezzar, Shain. And then Jewish people went into exile, Shain. And then they came back for a couple hundred years, Shain. And then they went into exile again. So then what did you put them in in the first place? In other words, why didn't God do like this? You sinned, you did Gila Rashvich and the first basin was destroyed, all the Jews were exiled the bubble, and there they stay for the next 3,000 years, however long it's been, until, hopefully, tomorrow, the final ghoul will come, and then they will come back and build the second basin of and that Fartik, that would be it, that would be the, the last and eternal temple. What was his business with the second temple, which only lasted a little while, and then, you know, was burned anyway? So is that to be, you get what I'm saying? This is a, uh, what's the right word? Historiosophy is the correct word. How is, what is God's plan in all this? And uh, I believe the Ramban says, listen, the Bayesian was over, they had like another chance, and then they blew that. The Barbanel says it's all part of the Bayesian. The Bayesian is really all part of the Bayesian period. Something along those lines. Uh, these are all written at great length. The Barbanel says that the, um, what he does, if I remember correctly, was to say that the tochachas that you find, especially in tomorrow's reading, have to do with subsequent Jewish history after the Korbans. Uh, for example, the Barbanel himself, I'm sure you noticed, lived in 1492. At that time, the Jews kicked out of Spain, which was a company with tremendous suffering. You had the Moranos, you had the Jews who left Spain and were persecuted and killed and tortured by pirates along the way, and all kinds of things of that nature. He himself wrote this thick commentary on um, Daniel. Uh, is it called Mani Yeshua or something like that? In which he tries to um, assign all the messianic uh, predictions found in the book of Daniel, which involved World War III and a lot of suffering, a lot of suffering, 
to his era and say the, the expulsion of Jews to Spain, the Inquisition, the burning of Jews, and all things associated with that is not a fulfillment of the book of Daniel. So when he wrote after 1492, his commentary in the book of Daniel, according to him, the way he saw it, this is it, baby. The Mashiach's around the corner, and everything you're reading in Daniel is nothing but a blueprint for our times. And you don't have to worry about, you know, whether it was by his reason, by she, it's happening right now. It's happening right now. And uh, he also assigned, again, the Ramban and the Barmanel, both very thoughtful and have a very interesting approach to history. Uh, the Barmanel, even more so. This is a Parsha, and this is a, a set of essays, and I'll show you that for those who are historically inclined, like I am. Uh, you'll see that they try to locate um, different psukim in the Torah to specific events that happened, for example, in the uh, Middle Ages. I remember the Ramban says, I mean the Barbano, uh, and this is weird because it's just not true. He said that one of these things have to do with the Gaulish Tsarfas, when the kings of France expelled the Jews. Jews were expelled from most of the countries they were in at one time or another. And it was a terrible catastrophe. Kiflaim Kiyotzim Mitzrayim. There were so many Jews who were expelled from France, it was twice what left Egypt. There weren't no 1 million, 1.2 million Jews leaving France. <laughs> uh, there wasn't you know, even a percent of that. It was a much, much smaller population. But I guess, from the perspective of the Barmanel, the way he heard it, or the way it seemed to him, you know, oh, it's a million Jews. Uh, and again, he would assign, you know, uh, that kind of causality to it. In other words, it's predicted already in the Tochachah. And the Balakeda, by the way, the Akedis Yitzhak, does the same thing. The Akedis Yitzhak lived through the 1400s. He was born in 1420. And so for him, and he, and he died in 1494. So if he, and he was a rabbi of a rich shul, like, uh, you'd say something like a Fifth Avenue show in uh, Valladolid and in Spain. And he had a sophisticated congregation, all that. The Sefer Akedis uh, reflects that. And I remember he says that the victims of 1391, I believe I did a podcast a week or two ago on the Rivash, who lived through 1391, when 50% of Jews in Spain were forced to convert, and they went underwent terrible sufferings. And to him, that's the Tokacha, the second Tokacha in Kisaro. He will explain to you how all the sufferings that are going on during his youth uh, in Spain are uh, identical with what's prescribed in the Tokacha. Um, now, in our time, you and I, is the Holocaust. Isn't that right? Everybody today is only a natural temptation to say, as my father did, as the Kloisenberger ever did, as many, many others did. It says, Weissmandel, you know, I say, oh, the Tokacha, especially the one in, in, um, in Dvarim, tomorrow's reading, uh, that's Hitler. Uh, all the terrible things you see over there, the pachad, the torture, the cannibalism, which did occur, uh, unfortunately, um, you know, the, 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 especially the collapse of the great institutions upon which you place your reliance. I remember that, uh, which is very scary to you and I today because we read all about the anti-Semitism growing in America, and it is. And you say, well, we got the federal government, we got the police, we got this and the other. I read this, all the great institutions of security upon which you rely uh, collapse. And that has happened in, in Jewish history repeatedly. And they say, oh my God, are you telling me something basically happened in America? Well, obviously you hope not, but I'm just saying, you read the Tokachah, and you, you look around what happened in other countries, and they started to get, getting thoughtful in a morose way. Uh, which is why 
the Chazal, who organized the calendar, ordained it that the parsha of the Tochah should be read before Rosh Hashanah, because you don't want to go to Tich Hashanah close Put that in the past. By next week, after this, we'll already be on uh, Rosh Hashanah. What is it? After Kisavo, Nitzam Bayelach, you know, you'll be in different parshas and it'll be a memory. If you went into Rosh Hashanah, Yom Hadin, Mi Yechia, Mi Yomos, Mi Bamai, Mi Baish, and you're reading that week, reading the Tokacha, people would collapse from a depression in Shoal. You know, it's Oyve Vasvazain. And uh, that would not be Pachad of the Din. In other words, not awe, it would be terror. And you're not supposed to be in Shoal terror, Rosh Isn't that interesting what I'm saying? You say you're supposed to be in Pachad, but not, not terror, because uh, that paralyzes. Uh, it should be awe. A-W-E, uh, you know, that kind of thing. It's a fine line. Uh, many people, if they think about the din, they, 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 you know, they can, can get a, a mental depression. Uh, you know, like I said before, Malachim uh, Yechavetim, those words, which are medieval, uh, you know, talk about being stricken by a terror. Well, the angels can be in terror. The human being's not supposed to be in terror, Rosh Hashanah. The human being's supposed to be in pachad, in a thoughtful... Um, fear, you know, awe is a better word, uh, you know, seriousness, solemnity, uh, but not a terror. That is the famous story, is it not? In the book of Nehemiah, when they read from the parasha, when Rosh Hashanah, everybody started screaming and crying, and Ezra Nehemiah said, you know, I'll take and stop crying, and uh, go home and have a big meal. God wants you to be happy. God wants you to be happy in Rosh Hashanah. Well, if you take it the other extreme, uh, then the person gets, like I said before, uh, collapsed with the terror. Um, and terror and fear is a, is a psychological condition. And and that's no good. When Moshe Rabbein is telling the Jews all this, I'm sure at that time, when they all they say, oh my God, we're doomed. <laughs> right? That's it, we're toast. And, uh, oh boy, I don't know what, the, what, what what his reaction was. You don't see Moshe Rabbeinu going to the people and saying, Of course, the man didn't exactly taste like my man. It was a tofu, tofu. But nevertheless, he doesn't say, go home and because the people, yes, weren't crying when he told them these predictions. But uh, they're pretty scary, the ones in, in the Tochacha. Uh, so if you will read these essays, and I'm going by memory over here, the one in, uh, in what do you call it, in... Uh, and the one over here, and you know, a little bit of history, a little bit, you'll see some very thoughtful ways of trying to apply it. Now, I believe you should apply My personal opinion is, a person's supposed to do this, because uh, otherwise you get new meaning. As I said on other occasions, I've had people come up to me from time to time and say, I don't believe in a God that can bring a Holocaust. Uh, uh, I can't tell you how many times people come and tell me that. Uh, if, if there's a God that would do a thing like that, uh, something evil on a mass scale, it can't be God. And all I ever say in response over decades is, okay, have it your way. So what happens? Just pure bad luck, right? It's a it's a contingency. It's fortuitousness. It just happened to be some jerk named Hitler, happened to just be lucky because of the Depression after the First World War, and he just happened to come to power with a monomaniacal uh, focus on the Jews and happened to be surrounded by the German technical experts who were able to set up the concentration camps and exterminate six million people, and it just happens you have know, bad luck. Uh, that's you feel better that way, so you have no one to blame. So the answer is they want someone to blame, but they don't believe in God. In other words, the people who say that are, are not, it's not shot really that they don't believe in God; it's that they're angry at God. 
which is a different thing. It's very interesting what I'm saying, in my opinion. Uh, they, I'll say it again, they want someone to blame, but the only way they can express their anger is by saying, I don't believe in you. So if you're not talking to God, what are you saying? Hey, <laughs> you're talking to the wall. Wait a minute, I don't believe in you. So then it just happened. So it's, uh, it's like, uh, let's put it this way. The only logical outcome of that is that a person should say, okay, I'm going to uh, make my children all not be Jewish and hide it. And next time something happens, because sooner or later it's going to happen, they'll duck the bullet because nobody will know they're Jewish. That was what Arthur Kessler wrote after the Holocaust because he was a, a famous author and was a genuine apicorist, the real McCoy, and a very uh, Western European. And he did a totally logical observation. He said, listen, he wrote this in 45, 46, 47. He said, sooner or later, another Hitler's going to pop up. And I don't want my progeny, I mean, he didn't have kids, but, you know, the ones, people like him. I don't want them to, to be able to suffer from being Jewish, therefore they'll hide it. But the Rabbani Islam has a sense of humor, and Arthur Kessler could not know in 1946 that they're going to invent something called the DNA, and then if the next Hitler ever came uh, 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 popped up again, but there are a lot of would-be Hitlers in the, wa- in, 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 in the waiting. I mean, if you know anything that's going on in the world today, don't fool yourself. Now, with the DNA, they could find somebody exactly how Jewish they were, because don't they have these things where you can test if you're an Ashkenazi Jew or if you're a Cohen, all this kind of business? And it's only going to get more refined. It's only going to get better. And so pretty soon, it literally will not be able to, a person to hide any Jewish background, even if he's a Galach, even if he's a Pope. And if they're going to apply racial criteria the way Hitler did, then nothing uh, is going to work. Uh, that's a happy thought, right? But what I'm trying to say, that's a way of dealing with it. Because if you say uh, God is behind it, then that's what Moshe's whole point is. This stuff will hit you, and when it hits you, you'll see I predicted it. And since I predicted it exactly, you know it didn't happen by accident, and therefore it's God telling you something, and uh, act accordingly. Uh, by the way, one of the big differences the Ramban points out between the Tocha in Vayikra and the Tocha here today is that over there, it's like graded. You know, it'll get worse. You don't find that language in this week's Parsha. In other words, in Vayikra it says, stuff is going to happen. That will be a sign for you to repent. If you don't repent, then we'll ratchet it up and stuff will get worse. And again, you'll have a chance to repent. And if you repent, it'll go away. If you don't repent, it'll ratchet up and get even worse. Not today. Moshe Rabbeinu is saying in, 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 in Parsha's Dvarim, you know, in, in Kisavo, it's going to hit you all at once like a like a, uh, a, a an avalanche, like a tidal wave, which is just very interesting, like I said before. So, I know I've already spoken longer than I planned to. Uh, I only want to call your attention to some of these uh, points. The Tocha is extremely interesting, and I think anybody with uh, a little bit of imagination, not a lot, a little bit of intelligence can perhaps discern in the descriptions you find in the Tocha current events. Uh, I hope we don't have a Tocha. Obviously, it goes without saying. But we live in dangerous times. And you see war clouds on the horizon. And do you see anything in there predicted? And do you notice in the Tocha any advice of how to uh, remedy or avoid the situation? If you're able to do that, which I tell you again, I would advise you to get the Nachshoni. If you do that, then indeed, this will have been a productive weekend. I hope you have a good Shabbat. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.com. 
www.rabbidavidkatz.com.